We thank you that you indeed are merciful to us, not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness. You are gracious and merciful to us, and we thank you. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that, is your, that, that your grace and your mercy is that which sets us free. You set us free. You set us free from so many things, Lord, uh, that this world and the enemy want to uh, hold us in bondage to. Lord, thank you for setting us free so that we can obey and so that we can live selflessly for the benefit of our neighbors. So give us your Holy Spirit today. Open our hearts, open our minds. Heavenly Father, may we hear your word and may your word transform us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand as we read uh, this morning's text. Our text is taken from Galatians Chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, reading in Jesus' name. St. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We welcome you here today to Maple Park Church. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is so good to see each and every one of you. I'm Pastor Adam, one of the pastors here at Maple Park Church. Thank you for gathering with us here in the sanctuary, on Facebook, or in the parking lot uh, through the radio. It is such a blessing to have the body of Christ gathered together. And as we gather together, we gather together to hear his word. Uh, it's not so much us doing something for God, it's God doing something for us. And he comes to us and he serves us by means of his word and by means of the sacraments. So thank you for gathering with us here today. So the Apostle Paul wrote about freedom. Freedom. He says, for you were called to freedom. That's you. Each and every one of you here today who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are called to freedom. But what is this freedom? What is this freedom? Uh, the question is, is, is Paul's concept of freedom the, the same as our world's concept of freedom? Well, I believe that Paul's concept concept of freedom is different from, from most of our human ideas of what freedom is. Some view freedom in terms of politics. I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. Love that song. Others uh, think of freedom in terms of uh, freedom from being told what to do, freedom from rules. Freedom that says, I can do whatever seems right in my own eyes. So nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to live life by my rules. And believe it or not, even me as a pastor, I have that, that nature within me. I want to live by my rules. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And as soon as somebody tells me what to do, I like to actually uh, irritate that person by doing the exact, the exact opposite of what they've told me to do. And I think that many of you identify with that. So what does Paul mean when he talks about this freedom? Is it 
Is it freedom in terms of politics? Is it freedom in terms of, of moral freedom to do just whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it? What does the Apostle Paul mean when he writes about the Galatians' freedom and when he writes about your freedom? Paul is writing about freedom from a guilty conscience. Freedom from a guilty conscience. And freedom from earning salvation through our good works. So we're free in Christ. We're free from having to earn our way into God's favor. And we're free from a guilty conscience. Christ has come and Christ has accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for our salvation, for your salvation. So you're free. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. But he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So first of all, freedom of a guilty conscience. Uh, you know that, that most people have a conscience. You have a conscience. I think just about everybody knows the difference between right and wrong. Uh, when you do wrong, it, it impacts you. Uh, you feel it. This is called having a conscience. Uh, feeling guilty for doing what's wrong, or, or better yet, avoiding doing the wrong because that alarm is going off in your head and in your heart, saying, no, you shouldn't do that. That's your conscience, and it's, it's a good thing. Um, it's good, actually, to feel bad about doing something wrong. Uh, some people don't have a conscience, though, and I think we, we've observed those people. They don't have a conscience. But most likely, you do have a conscience. And this is actually built into who you are, and, and this is a good thing. In Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul tells us the reason for this, for this conscience. The Apostle Paul actually says that his law has been written on our hearts in Galatians 2, 14 and 15. So all people, even though they may not be Jews, they may not have the Torah, they may not have the first five books of the Bible, they may not have the Ten Commandments, their conscience bears witness that the commandments are true. So everybody has this thing built within them that says, this is right, this is wrong. We have this internal uh, gauge for morality within us. It's your conscience. Why do you have a conscience? Well, God put it there. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to remain in that state of guilt. He doesn't want you to remain in that state where you sense that, that you are, are guilty before God and that there's no way that you will ever have fellowship with God. God doesn't want us to remain in a state of guilt. He wants us to be free of the guilt of sin. And so that's how you're free. You are free. You are free from a guilty conscience. And then Paul wrote about your freedom in Christ. He's, he's also not talking about license to do whatever you want to do. But to know that you are free from sin, that your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. 
And then Paul is also talking about freedom from what we call works righteousness or legalistic righteousness. That is freedom from your internal drive. We all have this internal drive to earn salvation by our own good works. So you're free in Christ. You don't have to work your way into heaven by being a good person. You're free in Christ. Christ has won your salvation for you. So you're, you have freedom from guilt and you have freedom from, from uh, this, this internal drive to earn salvation. So a person is saved by the free gift of God's grace apart from works can't work your way into heaven. Can't, you can't do it. None of us have, have the strength or the ability to work our way into heaven. So, so think of it this way. Imagine you're standing on the shore of the Pacific Ocean. You're at ocean shores and you stand and you look out uh, west towards Japan. And, and for some reason, I don't know why it is, but you must swim all the way from ocean shores to Japan in your own strength. I don't think anybody has swam all the way across the Pacific Ocean. I don't think it's possible to swim across the Pacific Ocean. I know that people are breaking records of swimming long distances, but, but I don't think it's possible for a person to swim all the way across the Pacific Ocean. No one can do it. And trying to get into heaven by, by my own goodness, my own good works, is just like trying to swim from ocean shores to the shores of Japan. You can never do enough good works to earn your way into heaven. But now imagine this, as you're standing at ocean shores, uh, the Queen Mary II, that, that luxurious ocean liner, uh, anchors on the shore and, and sends a skiff to bring you onto the luxury ocean liner. And the ocean liner promises to carry you to the shores of Japan. Those who believe and are baptized have been brought into the, into the holy ark of the Christian church to be carried safely into our eternal home and glory. Salvation is by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, apart from our good works. The Apostle Paul wrote, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve, but through love, serve one another. Through faith in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, you have freedom from a guilty conscience. And you have freedom from this drive to earn your own salvation by your good works. And there's, there's a third aspect to your freedom in Christ. And this is the paradoxical one. You're free to obey. You're free to obey God's word. Free from a guilty conscience, free from works righteousness, legalistic righteousness, or trying to earn your way into heaven, but you're also free to obey God's word. So this is the paradox of Christian freedom. The believer's freedom is not freedom to live however we want to live. Christian freedom is freedom from a guilty conscience, freedom from legalistic righteousness, and freedom to obey. You are free in Christ. Paul says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity 
for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we've been given this freedom in Christ. What are we to do with this freedom? We're to obey. When you're free in Christ, the law, the commandments, the commandments that teach us about loving God and loving our neighbor, they actually become a gift to us. They're, they're a gift to us. They almost take on a gospel nature for the believer. Because we're not obeying to get on God's good side. We're not obeying to earn something from God. We're obeying because we're free. We're free to live out our, the fullest expression of our humanity. So you're free in Christ. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity of the flesh, but rather through love serve one another. You're free to obey. You're free to live according to what God's will is for you as expressed in the commandments. And this is the joyful part of Christian living. We're full of joy, obeying the Lord, doing his will for the benefit of our neighbor. So Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What is this opportunity for the flesh? Well, this opportunity for the flesh really is selfishness. Selfishness. We are selfish people living in a selfish world. So you're free from a guilty conscience, free from needing to earn salvation by your good works, free to obey, and finally you're free from selfish living. You're free from selfish living. And we need to know that the church is not immune to this, this selfish nature. Many churches are, are struggling with selfishness, struggling with selfishness, especially in these stressful times. And you know that these times are extremely contentious. Who knew that a virus would, would bring out not only the best in some, but the worst in others? I'm going to read a portion of an article written in the Baptist News Global. No, I'm not becoming a Baptist, but sometimes we can learn things, sometimes we can learn things from our Baptist brothers and sisters. So from Baptist uh, News Global, and be, before I read this, I want to say this, how happy I am and how well supported I feel by the people of Maple Park Church. In a way, it was really sad reading this article, hearing about the division within many churches, but in a way it was encouraging for me because uh, I've seen the fruits of Christ's spirit in the people of Maple Park Church. So I wanna say how happy I am and how well supported I feel. But I also wanna say that not all pastors and, and churches uh, have the joy of serving a congregation with people like you here at Maple Park Church. Many pastors are going through hard times right now through this pandemic. So reading from Baptist Global News, the article begins this way, quote, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I've been imagining killing myself, the pastor said. 
Then the uh, author of the article writes, I was on a Zoom call recently with 10 pastors across three denominations when one of the participants shared a struggle with suicidal thoughts in these challenging days. By the time the meeting concluded, four of the 10 had found the courage to admit their own suicidal ideations. And the author of the article says, I was the youngest person in the group. So these aren't young green pastors. These are veterans who have gone through plenty of difficult things in their time. But today, but today, during this pandemic, today and through everything we're going through, but today's intensity and difficulty, he says, is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. One pastor shared the heartbreaking story of going back to church too early and losing a beloved church member to COVID-19. Another shared how congregants were daily emailing him with threats to leave the church if they didn't reopen immediately and withholding their tithes until then. I know of another pastor who wasn't in this meeting who after preaching about race one week, a congregant came to the church office and knocked his office door off the hinges in an attempt to incite the pastor into a fist fight. One shared uh, that the survey results of the congregation, that the congregation took about whether they should return to in-person worship or not resulted in a perfect 50-50 split, with several members writing in the comment section that they would leave the church, one, if they didn't open immediately, or two, if they attempted to open at all. Leading anxious congregations amidst a pandemic, a hyper-partisan culture, a civil rights movement, and an upcoming election is destroying the lives of many pastors, literally. The only thing that surprised me about the confessions made by these four pastors struggling with suicidal ideation was that there were only four admissions. This Zoom call only echoed the reality that I've heard other pastor friends across the nation report for months now. What does Paul say? What does Paul say? After he talks about our liberty, but not using our liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, and he talks about loving one another. He says this, but if you bite and devour one another, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Selfishness. Selfishness is the, the poison that divides churches. But selflessness is the key ingredient to church unity. So again, I'm, I'm thankful to God that we have maintained unity at Maple Park Church. And, and I say, I thank God because the unity is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your hearts and in your, in your midst. Now, now, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we've maintained unity here. And, and selfishness... Uh, would have caused us to, to bite and to devour and to consume one another already. But we've maintained the unity in the bond of peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not perfect, but man, I am thankful to God. And there's more beauty in how our church has responded in these days. Here's the thing. We're not unanimous. We're not unanimous. We took a survey and we, we, we see there are congregations all over the place. So we're not unanimous. We all have different views regarding the pandemic, regarding things like politics and protests and riots. 
And here's the thing, we'll never be unanimous regarding these issues. We'll never be unanimous. But unity does not require unanimity. Unity does not require unanimity. It's amazing how many times as a pastor we've gone into contentious church, congregational church meetings. We've all been to congregational church meetings. And if you haven't been, you ought to go because they're very interesting. And sometimes they're entertaining. And, um, but how many times I've gone into those congregational meetings as the church decides on various things and people argue and people disagree but then seeing the congregation joined together, and I'm thinking back to my other churches where we would kneel at the altar, and at the altar together we would receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And to see the church rise and to see the church embrace and to see the church know that our unity is not dependent upon being unanimous in every issue. So we don't agree on everything to maintain the unity of the bond of peace. Our unity is not based upon our stand on today's social issues. Our unity is based upon an event that happened 2,000 years ago, right? Our unity is based upon Jesus who lived, died, and rose again for our salvation. Our unity is in Christ, not on the issues of today. So all different types of people are welcome at Maple Park Church. All different types of viewpoints and ways of looking at things are welcome here to experience a unity that is deeper and more profound than the crazy stuff going on in the midst of a pandemic, racial tension, and a political election. For you are called to freedom, brothers. You getting a little idea of what this freedom's about? For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Interesting, one word, huh? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What is that one word? Love. Love. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here's the key to keeping ourselves from biting and devouring and from consuming one another. Keep your eyes on Jesus and trust in the freedom that he gives to you through his all-sufficient life, death, and resurrection. If you're truly focused on Jesus, you cannot be a selfish person. If you're really focused on him, you cannot be a selfish person. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember Peter? The disciples were in the boat. They saw Jesus walking on the, the Sea of Galilee. They thought it was a ghost they realize it's Jesus, and then Jesus does what? He invites Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on the water. So Peter steps out of the, bo the boat, and he walks on water. Then what happens to Peter? He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He, 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 uh, sees, he feels the wind. He, he sees the waves. The, the circumstances that he's in frighten him. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink. I believe there's a lesson there for us. We're in the middle of all sorts of stuff that's, that's uh, trying to take our focus, to take our attention off of Jesus. And as soon as we take our attention off of Jesus, what happens? We begin to, to sink into the muck 
of everything that's going on in this world, which is really an expression of selfishness. So keep your eyes on Jesus, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. So here are some practical steps to take in a selfish world. Taken from that article in Baptist News Global. Two of them are. The third one is mine. First of all, first, accept the fact that your church is not the church perfected. This church is not the church in glory. Churches are fallible organizations full of sinners saved by grace. The person who chooses to love their local church just as she is, for this is what Christ does. I'll say that again. The person who chooses to love their local church just as she is, for this is what Christ does, is the one who's able to grow with her. So love your church. Love your church. The article says, so stop comparing your church to the one down the street or the one your kids go to. Accept your church for who she is. Second, accept that your pastor is a shepherd, a shepherd, not the shepherd. Who's the shepherd? Jesus is the shepherd. If you're unable to accept that our pastors are human beings with flaws, that says more about us than it does our pastors. So if we're not willing to accept our pastors for who they are, it says more about us than it does our pastors. And stop comparing them to the pastor down the street or on the podcast you listen to. It isn't fair to your pastor and such comparisons incite in us the the sin of envy. One of the Ten Commandments teaches us not to covet, and I believe healthy church members will not covet their neighbor's pastor. So know, (laughs) so know that the church is not the church perfected in glory. We have a long way to go. And uh, accept that your pastor is a shepherd, not the shepherd. Then I this is the end of the the article, then I say this, look around and find ways to give yourself in service to others. Just look around. We're going to live according to what God has has given to us, according to to the commandments which are gift to us who have been liberated by the gospel. We need to be those that not only love God, but love our neighbors as ourselves. So look around and find ways to give yourself in service to others. Our unity and our servant attitude, they're our witness to people walking in darkness. When we live in unity, we shine like bright beacons of hope in a dark world. So I say to this church, shine the light of Christ by living with a Christ-like, loving servant nature. Wouldn't it be neat if the world could watch the church talking about issues and disagreeing while maintaining the unity and the bond of peace? talk over issues, to disagree, and to still love one another, to serve one another, to have a focus on our community is a powerful witness. But what the world sees from many churches is complete dysfunction, which causes them to turn inward, and they forget that they've been called to love their neighbors and to serve their neighbors. But you, brothers and sisters, you are free in Christ, free from a guilty conscience, free from having to earn your way into heaven, free to obey, 
free from selfishness, and free to serve. How would our cities be different if we who have been liberated by Jesus through the gospel would live out our Christian freedom in selfless love and service towards others? And I believe our communities would would be deeply affected when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on loving our neighbors. I believe our, our communities would be affected not only today, but that our community would be affected for eternity. So for those who, who want to, to, to live in this freedom and they don't want to live for themselves, maybe we should consider eternity. Maybe we should, should, should realize that this is an eternal issue. Consider eternity. How long is eternity? Well, let's pretend we stretch a cord. We stretch a cord all the way from here to New York. That's a long cord, isn't it? <clears throat> now take one inch of that cord. That inch is the life that you've been given here on earth. That inch is your earthly life. The rest of the cord is eternity. And did you know that that even though that that cord is stretched a long ways, it's still too short to represent eternity? How we live our lives today for our neighbors affects their eternity. There are so many people who do not have their eternity secure in Jesus. They don't know Jesus, and they too face eternity. So the decisions that we make today affect the eternity of other people. So what you do, what you do today matters. It matters for all eternity. You see, they're looking for your witness. They desire your selfless love and service. And they're looking for your witness through your word, through your testimony, as they see your freedom in Christ being lived out in service. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we thank you that our eternity is secure in you. Lord Jesus, we, we can't work our way into heaven. Heaven is given to us as a free gift. And we thank you for that reality. But help us, Lord Jesus, to live with that eternal perspective every day. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would uh, really begin to work within my heart and the heart of this congregation a true love and concern for our neighbors, for those people that we interact with on a daily basis. And Lord, I, I just pray for two guys I've met from Palestinian guys that I've met. And uh, Heavenly Father, um, they've... they've uh, they smile every time I go in and uh, to their shop, but Lord, they don't know you. So Lord, maybe you would use me to show love and concern for them. And I know that each and every one of us here, we, we have somebody in our heart or in our mind that we desire to reach out to. So help us, Heavenly Father, to use the freedom that we have in you as an opportunity to serve and to love and to give ourselves to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
at this time we usually take up our morning offering um, but because of, of COVID we will not be taking it up here this morning but just to remind you um, for those who are in the sanctuary there's an offering plate as you leave the doors and you can give to, uh, give to the Lord your offering um, through our website by hitting the give button or to use uh, the United States Postal Service at this time let us turn to the Lord as we think about our offerings for this week Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you that all that we have and all that we are belongs to you. Now, Father, as we give a portion back to you this week, Father, we pray that you would use it for your kingdom's work and that you would multiply our gifts to you. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Christ is certainly on the rock in which we can stand. Thank you, Joyce. Uh, and thinking of that, uh, let us turn to the Lord as we give our request to him. Lord, we thank you that you are the great healer, that there isn't anything that we are experiencing that you don't know about. And so, Lord, thank you for allowing us to come in great confidence of your great love and that you will accomplish your will and your purposes in us and through us and through our circumstances. So, Lord, we pray, giving thanks and praise to you for hearing us when we pray. So, Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray for the Watts' family as they mourn the loss of Mike's grandfather, Charlie. And, Father, we pray for Karen Louise's friend, Peter, who had lost his home and his art studio to the wildfire in Boulder Creek, California. And Father, we pray for all those others who have lost their homes because of the wildfires in California, Oregon, in Washington. And Father, we pray for Mary McElroy's family as her cousin passed away this past week. Father, we pray for Cheryl Martin's family as they mourn the loss of her daughter, Marilee. Father, we pray for Brenda Watts's friend's daughter, Jenny, who had patches due to fluid leaks. Father, we pray that you would relieve her pain, that would, she would find you as her savior. And Father, we pray for Jessica Luthen's brothers-in-law. We pray for Scott as he continues to recover from his accident. And Father, we pray for Mark, who has had uh, heart issues. Father, we pray for Willis Thurman, Joyce's brother who has been diagnosed with lymphoma, who has now been, treat has been taking treatments uh, with chemo. Father, we continue to pray for Matt Smith as he continues to recover from his motorcycle accident. And Father, we pray for our missionaries as they serve you in Africa Taiwan and Japan. Father, we pray for wisdom on how best to relate to those they are ministering to. Father, we pray that you would protect them from harm and for sickness. And Father, we pray for our government as they continue to make decisions on how to open up our community. Father, we pray for the schools that are going to be opening in the next few weeks. Father, we pray for our church leaders as they continue to make decisions on what we can do, what we should do. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray in your mercy. And church, call out the first name of the person that the Lord brings to your mind that could use prayer this morning. Lord, in your mercy. And let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand once again as we sing. Receive now the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remain standing.